Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Allie, sorry for my voice today. Uh, no worry, dude. I know you were sick, a little sick, but uh, but uh, you sound good. So it's a, it's a new it, – people might not know this. When they listen, just listen without watching, they might think that I have a much more um, sophisticated, deep voice, smoky voice partner helping me today or whatever. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So there, for all the ladies out there, Dwayne's doing his sexy voice right now. Is that what it is? <laughs> hey, I'm it not saying annoying it. annoying like, to me. It yeah, sounds not, annoying to me. It's hard, though, right? And it sounds like you're struggling, right? And it's really not – you don't really feel like you're struggling. It just sounds that way, right? Yeah, and maybe I'm, I'm, I feel like I have to talk louder, and maybe that's part of it. Right, right. Yeah, don't push it. I can, we could all hear you perfectly, so that's awesome. So I'm excited. Today's another good call, two, 201, right? Episode 201. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was researching. Not many, not many podcasts go this long. Usually they're short-lived, a year, two, you know, whatever, and people stop. But we've been pretty consistent and really have done really, really well. I mean, it's like four, almost four years that we've been doing this, right? I think we're, yeah, I think we're coming up close on a fun four years. I don't know that we started it at the beginning of the year. It must, I think it was like the middle of the year or something when we started. Right. But we're thinking about just the weeks. If we have 202 of them, right, 52 weeks in a year, we're pretty close to being four years worth of podcasts every single right. week. So it's got to right. be a little longer even because we've missed some weeks here and there and took a well, week, week off. So, right. So we've been pretty, man, congratulations. Good job. Well done, you know. Yeah, you did it's fun. You're doing you know, it's great. Fun. Yeah, awesome. So what's the topic today? Tell everybody. Well, I think it's a, it's a simplistic topic, but I think it's an important topic. And basically it's, you know, what the heck do I focus on right. first? Um, you know, the, the, the premise of this is to become laser focused on what really matters in your school. Mm-hmm. And the reason I, I wanted to talk about this today, and, and, um, and if you, you know, obviously you want to chime in and talk more just because if people can't hear me, that's okay. But, um, is I think that we as a society and as school owners are so um, – we're so distracted because of these things, because of these uh, computers that we carry with us all the time, and we're flipping through, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. You're, if you're looking for a date, you're on all those dating websites. Right, and, right, you know, right. Your Absolutely. Is, your life is consumed by those things. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they're not a tool and that they're not important. But then I think sometimes we think that, you know, we're not doing enough on social media, producing videos or writing articles or doing Facebook Lives and all these other things that we lose sight of what really matters in our school. And so I'm, right. going, to, I'm going to submit that the most important thing, the number one thing, Hey, you got to call. You got to get that. No, nah, no. Nah, I don't know why. Okay. I never use this phone for incoming calls, but now they got me on spam alert. And, uh, gotcha. oh, my God. Don't hang up. You, you have to reinstate your insurance on your Camaro that, they don't, that I sold, like, you know, forever ago, right? Like, it's just right, ridiculous. Right. But uh, so, so, so it, you're saying. Yeah. So I believe that the number one thing that we've got to focus on is our current students. That is primary. And then if you have a staff, that's actually primary over the students. Uh Um, 
So if you think about a bullseye, and the center of the bullseye is yourself, you are the number one thing that you've got to focus on to make sure that you are running correctly, that your mindset is correct, that you're teaching the techniques correct, um, all of, you know, all of that, but, but primarily your mindset. And then the circle outside of you is your staff, if you have staff. Those are the, the next important inside of your school. And then the next circle outside of that are all the, um, like what I would say for me, are my leadership, or excuse me, my storm team. My storm team are the, are the, the students that come in and help out with classes. Right? right, they're the ones that eventually want to be an instructor. Right, and then the next circle are my leadership members. Those are my upgraded members that are in leadership. The circle outside of that—that's hilarious. Many done plug it over and over again. Yeah, um, sorry. But the circle—that's okay. The circle outside of of the leadership are all of my basic students that eventually I want to funnel in to get them to get into leadership. And then the circle outside of that are all of my lead and prospects. Uh-huh. And then this, the last circle that we'll just talk about are, are potential people, everybody else in the community, if that makes right. sense. So what's the most important is that if you have a staff, you've got to make sure that you're, you're training them and you're training right. them on a consistent basis and that you're training them well because – What's going to be happening out on the floor is going to determine your success. Mm-hmm. So you could hire a company um, to do your website, like your company, right? Yeah. You can be pulling in a whole, you know, a whole bunch of leads and prospects because you're using Allie's web service to do it. And then the problem is once they get in, you haven't trained your staff well. Right. You're not trained well enough. You can't keep a student to, you know, save your life. Right. Uh, and then you have, you have huge problems. So I believe that the number one thing you need to focus in on is that floor and making sure that everybody that is teaching for you um, is trained to a professional level. Right. The, the, the storm team or leadership members, whatever you ever call it, are trained to a professional level, um, and that your classes are exciting, uh, that, you know, you know uh, what was it? I don't know if it was Dave, Dave Kobar that coined this, but SSL, that they're sweating, they're smiling, and they're learning. Yeah, I thought it was uh, the three S's, SSS, sweating, smiling, and striving for more. That's what we say in go. our training, right? Yeah, cause, uh, okay. yeah, so that they're always wanting to come back. So what do you think about that while I let my voice rest? Well, I, I think it's so true. Like, it's interesting. So going back, and people know my history, and you know it definitely, right? Going back like four or five years ago, I was kind of out of my dojos, you know, and I had people running them. And, uh, yeah, you know, we were maintaining and making money. And, you know, but it was it was kind of this back and forth game, up some students, out some students. You know, I, I found that I would show up, and I was saying a lot of things, like I can't believe they just don't get it, you know. like And I'd find out, like, the parents – the students, they weren't connected to me. Like if someone left, which I had leave, a lot of people followed. And, you know, I'm like, how dare they go with the student versus the the master, you know, whatever, which I don't call myself a master, but why go with the person who taught the person? 
rather and train with them when you could go right to the teacher. But however, I wasn't there, right? So um, now, I, for the last geez, two years, I've been like back and motivated in the game. And you know this, that I've been so excited to be at my dojo. And uh, look, I'm dynamic, I'm teaching, I'm having fun. And I easily and quickly see the school starting to grow, right? Like, and I start to see the motivation. And not to say that my one guy, my two guys that I have now, they're really, really good. Um, but they're not me. And I don't mean that in a negative way. They'll never be me, but I'm the one who founded this school, who my personality grew this school went back in the day from zero students to 1,200, from one 450-square-foot school to 12 schools around the world, right? You know, I had the largest organization in Japan um, that under my teacher in Japan. And it was all because of me. You know, my I loved it. I was passionate about it. I was good at it. And, you know, I was a decent martial artist and so on. So you're right, though. That connection is starting. You know, you can have every system in the world. You can have the best software like Spark Software. Um, and um, you could still have a mediocre school because if you don't have the product, just because you have a really cool, beautiful-looking burger joint and your burgers are terrible – um, doesn't mean that people are going to come back and, and, and brag about you and talk about you and share it and come back quite often, right? It's all about the product, right, which the product, in, in your case, like you're saying, is the students, uh, I mean, uh, the uh, the instruction and the teachers and, and the message that they're getting on a regular basis that's congruent between team members and program desk people and so on and so forth. That's so, so important. You're You're 100% on point. Well, and then, and in the beginning, I didn't have money. Like we didn't have money to do the advertising. So, did we do some? Absolutely. But here's kind of the trade-off. If if I if I go up to eye level with my hand, and I go down here to chin level with my hand, and I'm explaining this right. for those of you that are listening to the audio. Right. The eye level one was all of my time teaching interacting with people, all of those things. The one by my chin, that was all of my money. Right. So I wasn't spending a lot of money, but I was spending a lot of time. As the school grew because of the word of mouth that was happening, and I literally can tell you I met my wife because she heard about a guy, which was me. I know I'm talking about myself, but she heard about a guy who was able to connect with kids and make such an impact on them. That's yeah. why she brought her son. Right, right. Okay? So as time went on, I spent less time out on the floor. I spent more money bringing people in right. and training my own people. Eventually it got to be even where I was spending the same amount of time and the same amount of money. Now I'm in a position where it's, a little bit, I'm spending a little bit more money and I'm spending a little less time, but that's only because I've been able to train my staff and then once they're really good out on the floor, create these systems that take care of different uh, problems or potential problems that would rear, you know, rear their ugly head up. So I'm not saying that advertising isn't important. Or right. that systems aren't important because as you develop your floor, you got to put systems in place to make sure that what's, what needs to happen happens out there. Right. But I would have been, one of the most important things that I ever did in the beginning was decide that I was going to have class planners 
And so right. I would, you know, we test every three months. So I thought, okay, this is the information that they need to learn. I'm going to chunk it down, and I'm actually going to write out a class planner for every single level, meaning beginners, advanced, intermediate, junior black belt, black belt. Right. That was one of that was one of the best things that I ever did, and I can probably assure you that eighty. I, this is just my own stat in my head, but I would uh-huh. say seventy-five to eighty percent of school owners throughout the world do not have class planners. Right. They, now, when you say when you ask them, right? Uh, do you have a plan for the class or whatever? They say, well, yeah, right. we have a curriculum. We have a curriculum, right. but a curriculum is not a it is not a plan. No, not you're a right. Plan. Well, unless unless though, and you're right though. I I agree with you. I can't disagree. Uh, but sometimes curriculums are set up where um, even a, ro- a rotating curriculum within my school. I don't do rotating curriculums per se, but I have you know like my beginner white belts without a stripe learn this material right. But and then there, but you're right though. The the class plan is like, hey, we're going to do this drill. It's going to be this word of the month. It's going to be these lesson structures. This fun game, you know. So everybody is on the same page, and especially if you have multiple schools, um, that's super super important because you know you want there to be some congruency between the schools. You don't want people to say, hey, it's way more fun. And I've heard this before in the past. It's way more fun with sensei so and so than it is with sensei blah blah blah. You know, one guy's funny, and it's like, oh, we we don't get yelled at in class uh, with sensei blah 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 you know with sensei so and so he's so mean and harsh on us you know it's like two different polar opposites so the people will gravitate towards whatever they connect with more so lesson plans and and by the way it's very important too with lesson plans to make sure that the lesson plans inject um the lessons of the sensei in other words like if i was your if you hired me tomorrow to teach at your school and you said ali put together some stuff and and I wasn't trying to promote myself, right, because I work for you. I'd be like, oh, Master Brummett, when he taught this, and, you know, and if I knew enough about you, when he went to Korea or when he trained with his teacher. And everything comes from that vessel of you and your school. So even though that you may not be there, people are envious and want to be like you or want to emulate you. And they, and they believe that they're connected to you because the lessons revolve around you. Biggest problem that happens is when I find that I've, in my past too, I've had people that start taking you out of the scenario and start building themselves up to be the, the famous person so that eventually when they leave, everyone wants to follow, right? So it's important within those lesson plans to be careful um, not to, you know, keep talking about the main guy when you're not there. It's important to inject right. that in. And, and I would like to propose that you you just don't, put in lesson plans because you're going to have multiple locations. Although right. you're right, that's true. But the reason I started putting lesson plans in was because when I was sick or when I started to grow and I needed more instructors, I needed them to teach the information that I wanted to be taught in the way that I wanted it to be taught. Right. And so that's why I created those lesson plans. And we do have, like, we, we do have a, a, a semi-rotating curriculum. There are certain things, like our self-defense, that rotates. It doesn't matter what bell right. level you are. You're right. going to learn, you know, the same self-defense if you're in the intermediate class. And this could be your fourth belt in the intermediate class, or you could be your first belt in the intermediate class. You're still going to learn the front headlock. You know what I mean? Right, type of thing. right. Yeah. So that doesn't matter. But – how it's taught, the way that it's taught, 
Now, I leave room, don't get me wrong, because I didn't come up with this. So, like, the front headlock, I'm just saying, gosh, you know, who doesn't know how to grab somebody in a front headlock? I got right. kids that don't know how to do that. So, one of my oh, instructors, yeah. he came up with this. He said, just stand like a cactus. And I don't know if I can back yeah. up so you can actually see me. But yeah, he, I can he see said, it good, yeah. Yeah, stand like a cactus, and then they put their head in there. So, as soon okay. as they put their head in there, then you grab. And I yeah, thought, yeah. oh, my gosh, that, I never thought of that at all. And, and you know what? Those little things are so important because I'm learning more and more. Like I, I shake my head, you know, that uh, the text message scratching my head or shaking my head, right, or whatever. Um, you know, and I, I look at the verbiage these days. And, like, for, for example, the other day, I, I might have mentioned this on our last call. I was getting a little boy, and I'm saying, step in and punch, step in and punch. He's like – and I'm like – showing him and then I'm tapping his leg step in with that leg and then I show him again he couldn't get it then I go walk in and boom he he stepped in because the word step was he's never heard it before he's never you know it's not in his vocabulary he doesn't understand the connection to it the minute I said walk boom he did it so it's funny how like you have to show that cactus move and then you say okay just lock it in right and Little things like that help make your staff better, your instructors better, your students better, and so on. So that's that's where years ago our instructors would have said, like, what is wrong with you? Get the heck – my teacher exactly. would have been like, get the heck out of here. You're an idiot, yeah. you know, and I don't train yeah. idiots, you know. Like, I don't want an idiot walking around with technique because he might hurt somebody. But nowadays we have to really baby step our students through. Sometimes it's quite hysterical. The other day I had a kid in class and my, my – heat is loud because I have an air blower and, and um, I'm, he's talking to me but he's whispering and I, you know, the music's playing, the heater's burn. I'm like, I can't hear you, dude. I can't hear you. He keeps whispering. Finally, he says a little louder. He says, uh, I don't want to talk too loud because when I start to get loud, I start to curse uncontrollably. He's seven years old. <laughs> so I'm like, I was hysterical and my adults were in the corner. They heard it. It was just the funniest thing ever but it comes out of these kids' mouths and what they say is just unbelievable. So we have some cool people on today. We have uh, Soke Dai David Nemiroff. We have uh, Shion Robert Hernandez, who uh, is my good buddy for over 35 years. Shion John Gaston um, from uh, – I'm going to be visiting him, I think, in the next two weeks or next week, I believe, um, at his – he's doing a seminar in uh, Springfield, Illinois. So that's kind of cool. And Sensei Asifu Gus Kasparis from Green Cloud Karate. So some prominent martial artists on the call with us right now. Thanks for being here, guys. So, so, so can I can I yeah go ahead and add to it because I just had one other comment. Go on. Go on. Well, I was gonna say I was gonna say that back to the way you started the call. Um, it, it is so unbelievably evident that when we understand that customer service and little little tiny things that you do above and beyond how impactful it is. Like for example, in my school, I have this little plush toy. It's like an eagle in a hakama in Japanese martial art gi that comes from my book and the kids get stickers. And I bought a thousands of these eagles and I was selling them first for twelve ninety nine and then nine ninety nine and then they kinda of go little by little. So I took them all out and put them on the shelf which and now whenever a new student comes in and it's a trial class, little kid I'm like I'm like to the mom, you mind if I give these your your kid a, a, a present? And they're like, you want a present, Johnny? And I give him my little eagle plush toy. I, it is amazing at how little things like that 
take your customer service over the edge, going above and beyond. Someone says, hey, I got a late fee on my late payment. Oh, let me get rid of that for you. You know what? Let's The little things that you do that can really, really make an impact to make people the biggest fans ever right. is un- unbelievable. And I think that that's so, so important. So um, you're right. That's where it all starts. It starts from customer service. It starts from, you know, um, from, from what you give people, the way you teach on the floor, how exciting the classes are, how connected you are, which each student and the parents, right? Because that's going to stop them from getting mad at you. And if they ever are mad at you, they're going to treat you like a human being because they know you. You're not the owner, Right, you're not the corporate muckety muck, the head, the guy is running. Like I, I have a, I'll admit to this, I, I have a brand new Tesla, right? I bought the car. It's not a cheap car. I've always loved it. I've always had good sports cars and things like that. But I, I was a little, like I've had Corvettes, Vipers, you know, and uh, and I, I used to get comments, snide comments from people way back in the day, like, oh, look at, look at you with the Corvette, look at you, you must be doing well. With this new car, I, I have more people coming up to me going like, oh, I'm really happy for you. You're doing like the new group of people are happy for me because they see me as as one of them, and I'm succeeding and they're happy. They don't see me as the corporate guy like I used to be, and they don't want me to succeed because their money is just going to pay for my fun. Now they're right. like, oh, it's one of us is doing well, like one of us, right? Because I want to be one of them. I've always been one of them. I want to you know be connected in that way. So the customer service aspect is where every single thing comes from. Right, and they don't know what you, and this is off topic, but they don't know what everything you do to make money. Right, right. You know, they they probably don't know you have a website service, that you, um, you know, you have the rack cards and, and all those other things that you do. You have coaching, and they don't understand that. So people, yeah. you know, people that are going to be jealous are going to be jealous, but... Well, they don't the care. They don't care. No. They don't care, right, what I do. I could have inherited it from my long-lost uncle or grandfather, right? Who knows? But but like I said, the most important thing is, is I'm one of them. You know, like, you know, Donald Trump, I know I'm getting in trouble by bringing up the president, used to be looked at as, as a man's man. Like, he was the guy. He was a construction dude, right? You know, he wasn't a billionaire. He was a loaded, rich billionaire. But people felt like he was one of them. You know, now, of course, it's a different situation, but that's that's the kind of mentality where people say, oh, my God, you know, he's one of us. He gets out and he hammers nails or he cleans up. Whatever. You know what I mean? That kind of mentality is in the trenches every day with us kind of feeling. Right, right, exactly. So um, with your, I was just going to say, with your uh, staff and with your students, what you up is those little touches um, are, are vitally important. I, I would right. just say one more thing. The older that I get, <clears throat> the more I see that communication is difficult. And learning how to be clear and concise on what you say and yeah. the meaning that is being received, if you can master anything, I would say as a business owner, Right. As a martial arts instructor, if you can master that, you'll do well. Yeah. Because everybody will then be on the same page as you. Oh, and it's not easy. And by the way, I'm reading, I'm like halfway through. You bought me a book a while back, and it was a negotiation booklet, right? A book. Well, you remember the name of it? I, I have it inside. It's just I'm losing it on, in, in my mind right this second. 
But um, it was from the FBI investigator. Yeah, yeah. Which, it never split the difference. They never split the difference one. Yeah, okay. it's and it's interesting because that book, funny that I'm reading it right now and we're talking about this is because, uh, and you got it for me, um, is that uh, he's an FBI or uh, CIA uh, hostage negotiator, right? And he went to Harvard and he was working with a bunch of the best hostage negotiators, but his methodology was totally different. Like, you know, he wasn't using all the gimmicks and the sales and the techniques. He was just basically going in and asking questions. Like, I want money or I'm going to kill your kid. Well, why? Like, how come? You know, like, uh, how am I supposed to come up with that kind of money? I I don't have access to it. And people would be like, they didn't have an answer, so they got frustrated, and they would start to negotiate. Well, if you don't have a million, give me 20 bucks then, all right? You know, like, at the end of the day, because you learn, it's a phenomenal book. So, you know, um, never split the difference is a, great, is a great thing. But you're right, communication is the hardest thing. Like, what, what we put value on doesn't necessarily value uh, become a value to someone else. So, like, for instance, if we're selling a program, we can talk about, um, you know, and this is a funny thing I was just telling my staff. When someone calls on the phone and they go, do you do Taekwondo? And we're like, um, yeah, we do stuff just like Taekwondo. And then they go, oh, I hate Taekwondo. And now you just put your foot in the mouth, your mouth. So I said, always ask them back what they, why, why they ask the question. Do they, you know, do you do Taekwondo? Do you like Taekwondo? No, I hate it. We don't do anything like Taekwondo, right? You know, like that kind of thing. Or we're a hybrid style, but we do a little bit of Taekwondo and more of this. Like, or I'd say, do you do Aikido like Steven Seagal? Well, do you like Steven Seagal? I hate him. Okay, no, we don't do that stuff, right? Like you got to make sure you're answering the questions with a, with a question to get clarification of what they actually mean, right? Yeah. yeah. And you know you know who the master of that was? Who, uh, Tom Callis? No, and, uh, answering a, a question with a question? No. Jesus. Oh, right, that's true. Very, very good. I mean, he always answered the Pharisees and the Sadducees' questions with a question. And and I teach that to my staff, which is funny that you bring that up, is that, you know, I'll, I'll go on forever with them. And I'll just say, you know, make sure, like, I would just say to you, you know, you know that when somebody asks you a question, you shouldn't give them an answer. You should you should actually ask a question back. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Makes sense. Right. Totally. And so, <laughs> yeah. And so you saw what I just did, right? Yeah. In fact, I'm doing it again, aren't I? Right. Yep. Yeah. See, so we practice that, which is kind of stop it. Stop. (laughs) Would you like me to stop it? Yeah. See. (laughs) And we do. We role play that. Yeah. And it's so important, though, um, Dwayne. It's like you know where a parent might ask a question, like, "Why hasn't my son been promoted?" And you might now you might fire off twelve reasons that you know, or five reasons. that they weren't even looking for, and now they're insulted. And now they're like, well, if my kid's not so smart, maybe I should bring him to a school that thinks he's smart. Like, or, you know, if my kid is never going to learn because he's slow or, you know, like, so I'm always asking, like, why are you asking about that promotion? You know, well, yeah, is, he, is he giving you a hard time at home? Is he getting demotivated? Are you getting demotivated? And now, now you start to get some answers, and now you're actually going down the path that they want to go, and it's very easy to answer them and guide them to the to the answers that they need to hear um so that they feel good about it right so it's, yes. it's much easier by asking questions it's awesome yeah and i would i would say and i know this isn't the topic but you said you know why is my son not being promoted right that was yep. the question right yeah. yes so i i would feed that back we call that feeding it back and i would use the same words that they used so they knew that i heard them 
Right. Now I just need to understand them. So right. I would say back to them, they, they say, you know, why is my kid not being promoted? And I would say, why is your kid not being promoted? Mm-hmm. Because now they need to clarify what that means to them. Right, right. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And Without I just, I, speak, I mirror them, whatever, um, you know, whatever pitch they're at. I mean, just those type of things. Yeah. And that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a little bit different, but. Yeah, exactly. Well, I love it. So let, let's get back on the, totally on the topic. So like, what do we focus on? So you went, of course, we talked about, um, you know, student retention, customer service, right? Now, let me tell you a quick, quick story about when I had a client I was coaching and then we looked over a year and a half, almost 20, 20 months of period of time when they had students that had quit. When we analyzed the students, the majority and the bulk of them were between seven and nine-year-olds, and in this particular school was between white and yellow, whatever senior belt they called it. So when we looked at that group, we were like, wow, there was like 120 of them that hit that belt level, and they ended up quitting. So we said, let's analyze that, and we started to dig deep to find out what was going on, asking questions of why they left, you know, doing um, ethical bribes, getting people to fill out questionnaires by offering them a Starbucks gift card. And, you know, they were long gone. They probably wouldn't have engaged unless you gave them something. But here's the interesting thing. What we did decide to do, which changed everything, is we ended up deciding to hire someone because what we figured out, and let's just do the numbers quick. I have a calculator on my desk. So let's say you charge $120 a month and you lost 100 students, right? That's 12 grand a month times 12 months. That's $144,000 in loss that you lose in income, right? So let's say you hired some for 28000 a year. You hired a person that was only focused on that peer, those group peers. Or, and, and by the way, if this was their only job, they could do your whole school. But their job was the concierge-style mindset of making sure customers are always happy, right? That's all they did. So let's say you paid them forty grand a year. You still would have been up 100000 profit, so you wouldn't have lost those students. So what they did was they implemented a staff member and put them on that. And what they did was they would call up and say, hey, Mrs. Jones, how's everything going? This is, you know, this is a time where Johnny, we found, normally gets frustrated, where they're learning X, Y, and Z. I want you to – and they communicated and fed them information and educated them on all the things that were going on. Well, they cut that in, into a third. So the loss went down to a third of what they were losing. And um, that was massive profits for the school. And forget about money, massive amount of students that stayed with us that they could have fun teaching and having time with and traveling with and seminars with and blah, blah, blah. The whole reason well, why an, we do what we do. Yeah, have an impact on. Change their life. Oh, of course. Because exactly. the longer that they're with you, the more opportunity you have to change their life. Right, exactly. So, and that, for, and the money is the side benefit, right? So, I mean, but so that that was just having that understanding of that customer service application. You know, I've often said, like, if we're doing a parents' night out, we're usually happy if we get out of 150 kids, we get 40 or 50 or 60 to go, right? Um, and then we're like, okay, next time I'll market differently. I'll be more excited about it. Maybe I'll get 75 to go. But you're always going to get around the same amount of people. So I always teach my school owners um, that I coach. Why not taking the 80 people that didn't go, calling every one of them and finding out why, and then giving them 10% off or 15% off or, or half price on the next event, Edu- and educating them on what you do and why they're missing out, and then getting them through the door so the next time you'll have 120 people at your next event. And now, you're, now if they love it, they're going to become purchasers, right? They're gonna, you're going to change your buying population. 
right now, some people are reserved. They're hanging back. They're waiting. They're not doing it. Like, oh, I'm not going to do that. It's just a money grab or my kids won't have fun or whatever. You got to coach them through the door. So quite often we have to spend time on education, communication, and re-education of our existing clientele. Well, and see, that's where, um, like you said, you, you didn't say this, but you implied it, knowing your numbers. Right. And when people are dropping off and why they're leaving is going to be vitally important. That gets into right. the customer service aspect. So with regards to having a phenomenal floor, you need to have a way to capture, honestly capture people that are quitting and right. why they're quitting and right. where they're quitting so that mm-hmm. you can implement things like you just talked about, which is you'll implement systems right. that will help to decrease that number yeah. that is usually happening. So, you know, that would be the next thing that you would focus on. So you got the floor running. Now you, you follow up on the stats and see what's happening, and then see what you can do about those things. And I like Absolutely. how you talk about pre-framing them. You know, when they get the green belt, we usually find that, you know, some kids get frustrated because the material is a lot harder, and, right. and now they're an intermediate student, and so yeah. now they have to live up to that. So I just right. want to give you a heads up, Mrs. Jones, that, you know, physically it's going to be harder. I, I think your son or your daughter, whoever it is, will rise to the challenge. But if for some reason they don't believe that they can, I need you and I to be on board that we need to be saying the same thing to them. And this is our our phrase that that I learned from Keith Hafner, but um, that they can do hard things. Right. And so when we say that in class, I just want you to reinforce that at home, that just keep telling Johnny that he can do hard things. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, and he can do hard things. And you know what's interesting? I love what you said, too. And um, they also have to – we have a little bit of a problem when they go from a little kid group to an older kid group to a teenage group to an adult class because, they, you know, of course, the mindset of the class changes with maturity. And we have to educate those parents that it's okay for them to not have as much fun in their eyes um, – uh, like they used to because we did more games maybe or we did, you know, we talked to them differently. But as they mature, they just have to shift, and this is important, shift what they see as fun, right? You know, like, you know, you and I are not going to be playing with blocks and, and things like that, uh, you know, but uh, we could, you know, we could do other things that are just as fun to us, and the kids are going to do that, They and the parents need to know. So when they go, I'm not, I'm not having as much fun as I used to. You are, but you're just doing different stuff. So now learn nice. that. Learning, learning that, you know, working as hard as you can at mastering a push-up could be fun or working hard enough in sparring and, and being able to win a match could be fun, you know, that kind of thing. And we have to shift that mindset. So here, if you, if you don't mind, let's, I had one thing I'd like to talk about, which is um, for me an important thing, and I'll tell you why it's so important, is that you have to have some systems in place for um, what, what I call payment inventory auditing. Right. So I'm going to tell you this why, because I just went through all my clients right yesterday and I audited them all. And I'm noticing like a client that's paying one hundred and fifty dollars, supposed to be one hundred and fifty dollars a month with a zero payment and, and no payment history. But every month on my software, because the way it was entered incorrectly, 
it was saying that their payment was going through. Their payment was going through. So it never showed up on my delinquency reports. It never showed up on any reports where there was no money being paid. And the program manager at the time hit a zero in the monthly payments. It was 150 a month, but it was $0 per month being billed. And so I had three clients. One of them, I charged out their credit card for $1,300, another one for $850, and just another one this morning for $400. Um, so I, I got like, uh, what, $2,600 in the last two days because I audited my my accounts. And I, this is not the first time this has happened. This has happened to me where people have been a year past due, and then they, then they quit, and then they're never going to pay you because they, they didn't realize it. Not saying that they're ripping you off. Some people are aware, but others just don't notice it. And now all of a sudden you're like, hey, you're behind $1,500. Where are they going to come up with that, right? So now they can't currently pay and pay the old. So they quit and they don't pay anything most of the time. Or they'll pay the old balance but not come back. So um, we have to be really diligent about checking our inventory, checking our payments, making sure that we're getting what we're supposed to get. And there's most credit card companies, whether it be a software like we use, bills the software, then that money goes into a processing holding credit cards processor, and they then authorize it. And sometimes at that point, our software approves it, and it gets held up here, and then they dispute it over here. So we have to make sure that one goes to two, and then two goes to three, which is our checking account. Because sometimes it could be four or $500 lost in that process. And 500 times 10 is, you know, five grand. So we have to watch because that could be a college payment or, or a payment on a car or whatever. And we have to really audit, watch, and be diligent to stay on top of our numbers. Do you, have, do you find so, anything on that too? No, you're absolutely right. My question is, you know, how, how often every, – every month you should be looking at those ins and outs. I get that. Right. <clears throat> but how often do you audit? Well, I, I try to do it. I try to do it at least every month to two months on at least my billing, right? So knowing what I'm supposed to be bringing in and making sure that it's all in the computer correctly, right? So I, I simply printed a report, which is great, on Spark, right? And I went through it all, and it shows the balances of what are supposed to be paid. And if it's a zero balance, that right away triggers something. And I have some zero balances on painfuls with a lot of people that are circled right here um, that are um, – that are on trial programs. They paid in full 69 for the month. But when it comes to a membership, I want to make sure that if it says 130 a month, that they're billing 130 a month because that's where I found it, where it said 130 a month, billing zero a month. And I was able to find it. So I do this at least every month to a month and a half. And by the way, um, people might say that's a waste of my time. Well, I just found $2,500, $2,700, whatever it was of income that if I didn't do it would have been lost. It would have been just gone, poof, out the window. So I'm like, wow, that's a lot of money, right? I'm not like yeah. I'm rich and loaded that I can just say throw it away. It's that you, if you don't, it's out of sight, out of mind, and you're not following up and following through and staying on top of it. Um, it could easily just be disappeared, right? right? We just assume, yeah, we just assume that it's happening and that everybody's honest, and that's the problem. <laughs> Well, I had a, just the other day I had a, one of my one of the family members or whatever that I had my I had a problem with my drink machine and they put money in for a dollar drink they got the drink and it spit two dollars and seventy five cents and change out my machine was giving more money than it was supposed to so I, I watch them walking back with a handful of change and I'm like I know it was a dollar I saw them slide the dollar in and they got the drink I'm like you know did you uh, get extra change like yeah 
I thought that was weird. Like, they didn't bring it to me and hand it to me and say this is a mistake. They're like, yeah, I thought that was weird. I'm going, you do realize it's my drink machine, right? It's not like the company that's making the money on this. It's me. So if you don't give me the right, correct money, I'm going to lose out. But there are some people that are just confused. They're un- unethical others, you know, and some people are just like they think like it. You know, like I said before, it's the corporation. Screw the corporation. Right, right, that kind of thing. I had the other day, I was online buying clothes, and one of the girls rung up the wrong price, and I said to her, that's the wrong price. And she's like, don't worry about it, man. They they make millions here. And I'm like, no, I worry about it. Put the right price in. Because I'm thinking, like, damn it, if my employees are doing that to me too, like, I'd be really pissed. Like, well, I'm gonna, I wanted to turn her in, but I didn't want to get her fired. But I was annoyed, like, that someone would do that to the company. Right. It's crazy. So anyway, auditing is everything. Auditing your students. Make sure the students that are active are active. You know, a lot of times people say I have 275,000 students. Um, No, how many are active? Well, they're all active. Well, how many are actually paying? Oh, 20. Yeah. Okay. So over the course of the last 40 years, you might have had that many students and you only have 20 that are paying. We have some issues here. So you be be honest and accurate with with real what's real, the real numbers. Yep. Yeah. So what are before we end here? What are some quick um, must-do customer service things uh, that need to be happening with our current clients? Like, so for instance, what I mean by that is <clears throat> we should be doing our MIA calls. There should be some missing in action. Um, Absolutely. Touches. Okay. Yeah. Because then we do that. We do that every Friday morning. Because yeah. you've 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 had to have made classes by that Friday. Otherwise. Right. We do that by Friday morning. And then yeah. now, I mean, I, I know we keep bringing up Spark, but the nice mm-hmm. thing with Spark is, is I have, because the, the texting that you have in it, I don't know if yeah. you've done this, but you can save replies. So all I have to do is create a reply, and and, and I just, and my reply is, uh, it just says something like, uh, we noticed that you weren't in class this week. Um, you know, uh, something like, I hope everything's okay. Yeah. Please, please uh, make a private lesson and make up the classes right. that you missed. And, right. And and then and then I actually send them to the website so they can actually make it right. online right. through Spark for their private lesson, and then we just send it off. Um, mm-hmm. But our, our our step is that one, they come up on our MIA sheet. Yeah. We look we look in their notes to to see um, if they've. Already, like when we call it up, you can see if they made a private lesson already because their their appointment right. comes up there. Right. And and if not, then we send them that message. If so, right. we don't send them any message. If that yeah. makes sense. Totally so I would and say I, one of the most I, important I things is we need to do the MIA calls. Um, yeah. Do you do you do the A B C D rating of students or? Um, or? I ha- I haven't anymore. I, I mean, I used to do the A B C students, but as we talked about this in the past, sometimes rating them is our own mistake because we don't know what people are are rating themselves as. Meaning, like, um, I want everyone an A student to come three days a week, a B student comes two days a week, and a C student comes one day a week, right? But then I've had people that I've almost pushed out the door because I treated them like C students when in reality they thought they were A students, but but they can only come one day a week. And that was fine with them. He's a doctor. He's a cop. He's a father, a mother, whatever. Um, and uh, they only could make it one day a week, and they thought they were doing good. And I kept saying, hey, you're failing. You're failing. You're not really doing what you should. And they're like, hey, maybe I should just find something else to do because if I can't keep you happy and this is no way of training – because I'm only showing up one day a week, maybe I should quit. So I'm really careful. But what I do is I treat everyone where I will reach out to people periodically that are actively training. And uh, I, tr- I reach out to those that, are, that haven't been training. 
and I just strike up conversation. And by the way, with our software, we also use automation. So if, if they haven't showed up for 10 days or 10 classes or whatever the case may be, it automatically fires off this cute little message that I made. And uh, I guess after the second time, it's not so cute. But um, it, it says, uh, it says uh, I really must be the best ninja, ninja teacher around because I've taught you how to disappear. We haven't seen you in 10 days, you know. So people think it's kind of funny. Um, but uh, after they get it two or three times, they're like, all right, with this stupid automation, right? So they And they start saying, how come I'm getting these? Um, well, you haven't been here, that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, I love that, and I love communicating with people, just chatting and saying, hey, you know, I, I find when I do a trial class, before they even get home, I'm already sending off a text message going, Adam did amazing. I'm, like, really impressed with how, how smart this kid is. You know, genuine, not baloney comments when a kid's off the wall spinning around and, you know, and they did that, and I'm lying saying they did a great job. But I'm saying, oh, it's amazing at how focused he is. I think he'd really benefit from our program. That immediate communication cements in someone, and, and they normally come back right away and get started. So, I mean, it's a com communicating on a regular basis. So that's yep. a big one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. You know, my we do an intro on Fridays before they start their actual lessons. <clears throat> and obviously our instructor will go up to the parent and say, you know, Johnny did a great job. Um, uh, you know, he did this, this, and this. I'm impressed with that, whatever it is. And, you know, I know that you, you're going to be starting classes on Monday, so we'll see you, you know, on Monday yeah. at 4 o'clock or whatever it is. Yeah. But then to have him turn around and go back into the system and actually send a text restating, the uh, the compliments, I, yeah. I like that. And, dude, what else, too, which is powerful about that is people, I find now that people protect their texts as very private. So, like, if I'm spamming them with texts, they get pissed, right? Like, if it's, like, join my school, four ninety nine, you know, whatever the case may be, they're like, how'd you get my phone number, right? But if I'll take a prospect and I'll say, hey, Stephanie, um, I noticed that you did a kickboxing class a while back. I'm, this is the owner of Knockout Kickboxing in West Islip. I'm wondering if you'd be interested. They're like, oh, okay, you know, and, and they talk to you. But if it's, like, seems very generic, they're going to say, stop texting me. How'd you get my number? But if it's, like, a question... And it, it seems sincere and it's personal. They're like, oh, I haven't heard from you in a long time. Yeah, I moved out of state. And they're nice about it. And I find that text messages are answered, like, immediately. You can have conversations. I have people that they, they signed up online. They booked online for a trial class. I talk to them online, text messaging mostly, and they show up. All of that communication is very, you know, easily done, very soft, um, without any kind of, like, calling and if I could get away with just texting people and getting them to come through the door because they love to quickly just answer you if, if they have to answer the phone I might get a message from them on a text that says I can't answer the phone right now right but uh but if I text them they'll answer me because maybe they're you know on a conference call like right now and they pick up their phone and just quickly send out a text and boom send versus having to answer yeah. and be so into it yeah, when right. we have our form, yeah, we have our form filled out. We have an automation that happens that actually sends them a text that says, "Hey, that's you awesome. know, thank you. Got we got your registration. If you could do me a favor and just text me back, uh, um, you know, a, some days and times that actually work to give you a call so that we can well, set I, up the I just, intro lessons." I just set it up on my website, so check it out now where they could go on my website, look at my calendar, and then below it says book your class now for the Little Warriors Monday through Friday. Boom, they click it, and they go right into my calendar. 
totally automated. They set their own appointments up. It's amazing. Because sometimes, you know, like you call, you text, let me ask my wife, or, you know, I'll, I'll get back to you, or I don't know what day. Let me look at the schedule. I'm like, well, here, just, here's the thing. Click on this link. And they click on it. And it has all the availability, and they just put their name in and enter it. It's so simple. So it's made a lot easier. Um, this software has made my life a lot easier, much more efficient and professional. So I'm really happy with it, but, um, we're not selling it. I'm just like, if, if it's not this software, you find another one that's comparable, um, uh, you know, whatever can help you automate and make your life better is going to be better as a school owner. Cause you can only do so much physically and mentally before you get burned out. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I wrote some things and I'll just rapid fire out quickly. Like you wrote training on the floor is everything training your staff, um, uh, lesson plans is everything. Customer service, very, very important. Synergy between, and I say between everything, everything has to coincide. Your lesson plans and your mat chats and what the teachers are talking about, educating the clients. Um, and then I wrote, for me, I, the one thing I said is checking payments and inventory, bank reconciliations, and doing audits on a regular basis so that you don't lose money. And uh, making sure that everyone's paying what they're supposed to pay and uh, staying on top of that. Because, listen, no one will watch your money better than you. You can have a bookkeeper. If it's not going in their bank account, they're only going to care about it so much, you know. Uh, yeah. think, about all, think about all the stories you heard of bookkeepers. I have a friend who has a construction company that I built his website that he just had his office manager arrested after embezzling for two years over a million dollars that this guy's always like, why am I bouncing checks? Why am I, Oh, don't worry about it. It must've been a bank. Like she lied her way through and she was stealing money out of the account continuously, writing a check to a fictitious corporation that she had opened. And it was terrible. So remember, you got to watch your own money because if not, you're going to, you know, you're going to see it go out or get lost and not matter too much. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So any closing All right, thoughts? Sir. No, that's it. My voice is tired. So, but I, yeah. I, I hope that uh, everybody found this, this topic uh, helpful. And, and uh, you know, if you are listening to this uh, via the podcast or on you or online, um, you can always go to schoolownertalk.com uh, to get more information about uh, the other podcasts as well, or you can find us on, uh, on, on any podcast service. Yeah, we're on iTunes now for Android and iPhones and all that and all, and so on. So, yeah, and it's our 201st one. So, I mean, that's a long time of doing this stuff. So that's incredible. So there's a lot of information out there. I, I Some of it might be a little bit repetitive because, you know, we are human. But at the same time, the majority of it, we work hard on finding new topics every single week that wrap around what school owners go through. And even if you're not a school owner, you could recommend this to a chiropractor or any kind of service-related business. All you got to do is, you know, customize it slightly or tweak it towards whatever business you run, whether it be a, um, a, a handy, handyman or a contractor or a landscaper, and you just kind of look at what we say because it's the same thing, customer service for your lawn clients or customer service for your, your you know, doctor, you're a doctor and your patients and all that. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks, thanks, Allie. I appreciate it. All right, dude, you have an amazing day, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you real soon. 